friends, welcome to another episode of Making Disciples. I hope that you're well, I hope that you are healthy, and I hope that you are enjoying the sunshine. Well, that's obviously if you're listening to this the week it goes out. If you're listening to this in winter, you may not be enjoying the sunshine. Anyway, uh, welcome to Making Disciples. It's so good to have you with me. Today's episode continues this series that we started last week on doubt. And um, there's quite a fear, really, in the church for doubt, because doubt in, in some ways, if faith is the win, if a strong faith is the win, then doubt is failure. And that really cannot be true because uh far as I can see it, faith and doubt are dance partners. They, they go together. Faith gets grown from our doubts and our struggles. And um, I wanted to introduce you today to Kat Wordsworth. Uh, she runs a fab little Instagram page called about underscore doubt about underscore doubt uh, you can find that on instagram and it's a fab little uh, instagram page all about doubt and dealing with doubt struggling with doubt but a hope in doubt uh, and i think she's incredibly hopeful and i just think her story is inspiring to hear if we don't talk about doubt um it's one of those it becomes one of those hidden topics doesn't it uh, so today's episode is all about how do we uh, process, work through, uh, enjoy, strange word, but allow that to then shape us and become stronger with our faith. So I hope you find this interesting. This is uh, our second part on doubt. Uh, three podcasts uh, on the topic will, will eventually emerge. So I hope you enjoy this. Uh, so here we go, an interview with Kat Wordsworth on the topic of doubt. Welcome to Making Disciples. It's so lovely to have you with us today on the podcast. Oh, that's great. Thanks for inviting me. I'd love to. Um, I want to talk to you about your Instagram that you started back in March about doubt. Why did you start an Instagram of all topics you could have chosen? Why doubt? What was that about? Well, I suppose that that's a question I've asked myself a lot over the last couple of months. Um, the main driving force was that I've just never heard a story like mine. I've never read a book that I connected with particularly. I'd never heard it from the front of church. I'd never heard it on a podcast or anywhere. And Instagram might not be the best place for it, but it was a small step in just playing my part to let people know it wasn't just them because that's what I wanted to know. Mm. I suppose it was partly partly to help other people, but I can't deny that it was partly for me as well, just to try and try and connect with people that were on the same wavelength. Mm. So I think you can't talk about doubt without the topic of shame coming up. And it was my very small offering to just try and break that cycle. That makes sense. Yeah, what's the response been? Just unbelievable, really. I mean, I don't think I'm ever going to have kind of a blue tick or millions of followers to my name, but the messages I get from people, often private messages, I have to say, are just heartbreaking. And just people saying that, you know, they, they feel like this, they've never been able to articulate it, they've never been able to kind of sift through it because they haven't had that space and yeah it's just been obviously 
encouraging for me, but also just really devastating to hear that that it really is a big problem. It's not just me that has been embarrassed about this stuff. It really is a kind of systemic problem, and not just in the UK, all across the world. Mm. So. Have you found yourself almost pastoring people in their doubt? <laughs> um, I'm very hesitant to give people advice or any kind of step-by-step program to overcoming these things. I don't think doubt is something that works like that. And I think it's almost the wrong question. I think you have to be so careful with doubt that you're not aiming to fix it. You're not aiming to move past it because that's, that's not the point. I don't think, I think it will always be a part of my faith. So I would, I would never, say to someone, oh, you should read this and this will sort it out for you. But obviously it's the equivalent of via an Instagram DM kind of trying to sit down with someone and have a cup of tea and just kind of say, it's not just you, you're not alone, you're not a failure. This is, this is big stuff. Faith is big stuff. Of course, it's okay to ask questions. So yeah, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not particularly wise about it all. I've just lived it. I've lived it for so many years. But that's wisdom, isn't it? There's, um, wisdom is a is a path that has been walked. Uh, oh, that's very different. Definitely walked it. <laughs> well, it's different to an academic's understanding. Yeah. An academic doesn't know how to walk it. They just know what the what the map tells them. Yeah. Whereas somebody who's walked the path of doubt becomes wise because yeah. they've they've walked that are you willing to share just a little bit with us of your story what what's been your experience of doubt yeah so i mean on paper i'm i'm the classic christian i tick all the boxes raised in a christian home never didn't go to church moved from kind of childhood up through youth groups and youth church then uni christian mm. unions then kind of uni church where I then ended up working as a worship intern. So kind of mm. front of the church most weeks leading worship. Um, but underneath that, even from a young age, I think I was just always aware that there was something missing. I had questions. I didn't know how to even really put them into words or express them. And you just suppress them. If you don't, have a have a place where you can ask those freely you just keep them in you just keep them in and I think I just subconsciously just hoped that at some point something would happen to make everything fall into place and the doubts or the questions or whatever would just evaporate so kind of on that footing which is arguably unstable um I ended up doing this internship and I think within the first month or so i ended up at a worship leaders conference um at the london school of theology and i laugh about this in in hindsight it really wasn't funny at the time but i ended up at 21 kind of having a full-blown existential crisis locked in the toilets um yeah it was just too much i just i couldn't pretend anymore i couldn't i couldn't pin my faith on hoping that something else was going to happen and I couldn't keep pinning it on kind of desperately hanging to the coattails of other people around me it had to be real for me and it just 
it just wasn't it wasn't enough and I think just sitting in that conference just being surrounded by I mean it was an intense experience um I think these these things are but it just was too much I just couldn't mm. couldn't maintain the facade anymore and I just like I don't know how long I sat in that loo I called my boyfriend now husband he remembers me calling him and kind of I don't even know what I said. I have no recollection of that whatsoever. It just, it was just that defining moment where that was it. I just couldn't pretend anymore. Um, but obviously I worked at a church. I didn't have any friends that weren't Christians. I don't have any family that aren't. So from that moment, I think it was a, a bit of a crossroads really. I think if I had if I had dealt with it healthily at that point, I think I would have ended up in the place I'm in now a lot quicker rather than mm. 13 years later. But I just, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to put things into words. Everything just clouded and everything collapsed. I mean, I did try to talk to people, but people can't help you if you can't even tell them what the problem is. Mm. I don't think they can sit with you, which people did, but there was no way, there was no way for to be guided through it when I couldn't have even explained it. Mm. Um, so then it was just, it was overwhelming. It was all too much. And I just, for about a decade, just slipped into just a really unhealthy state of wavering between just repressing it all, trying to just not think about it through a myriad of mm. wonderful distractions. Um, I also had two children in the meantime, which they are very distracting. Um, I just, I didn't know where to start. So I just retreated. I just really hardened off. Um, so you didn't completely walk away from... No, no, I didn't. And I think, I'm not sure whether this is the right thing to say. I think it might have been better if I had. I think, as in, I'm, I'm very grateful that I am where I am now, but I think having a clean break rather than carrying on going to church, carrying on sitting there feeling like I had to suck myself in and harden myself off to what I was hearing because it was just too painful and I just didn't know what I was doing. I think that would have been better, but my husband goes to church, my kids go to got their friends there I couldn't I wasn't brave enough to make a clean break I think yeah and from that point from that point to where I am now it's very hard to explain what what happened to turn it around um there's a verse in in Deuteronomy arguably my favorite book I know people don't believe me when I say that it really is um where there's just a, a line that says that you were led in the wilderness in order to know what was in your heart. I think it's Deuteronomy 8, but I'm no Bible scholar. Um, and that really was my experience, that long time of trying to walk away kind of half-heartedly, but not being able to, trying to, trying to meet, to be self-sufficient, to meet my needs in other ways, just didn't work. You can't find that kind of fulfillment um, in that way. And I just discovered that 
really did long for God. I really did want that in my life. Um, and I think having that foundation, that kind of driving force was a bit of a kind of almost an anchor or just the one bit of my life that was in focus kind of I have this I think a lot in metaphors I think because it just helps me to helps me to understand things I, I tried to think of Jesus kind of being the only bit in my life that is in focus it doesn't matter if the rest of it is fuzzy and difficult if you've got that bit in the center then it's not that it makes everything okay but it's at least something to cling to do you think thank you so much it's so lovely just to hear you speak so freely about um yeah just around your struggles really i think um it's just helpful isn't it to know that there are others that say me too it's yeah. just helpful it's just yeah. it's just good and i think for uh, many people uh look if somebody's not experienced any doubt i have to question if what they have is faith because it's my experience that the things that we don't question and we just take them as fact uh is that really faith or is that actually superstition is that something else and actually being able to wrestle question and doubt is wrapped up in faith and uh, you know, I love this picture that uh, faith and dance, uh, faith and doubt are dance partners. They they go hand in hand, yeah. and I think there are seasons for me where if I hadn't have doubted something or struggled with something, I wouldn't have progressed to be able to wrestle something through from childhood to adulthood. Uh, the things that I was given as a child don't necessarily they got me to where I was, but were not going to get me to the new place. And therefore, I have to be able to wrestle through. So these two things go together. But um, for many people, they feel like that it's not allowed. Um, they're not allowed to do that. And a part of that, I think, is because church leaders and churches are scared of what happens if we lose you. And um, and and that's that's a whole another another issue within that. It is, but I I would argue that. You're going to lose people either way if that's if that's the way that you if that's if doubt doesn't become more visible it's not going to stop people having the doubts it's just going to turn them into really unhealthy things which become too much to bear within that setting and i think for me language has just got so much blame to take in this i think people are so much happier to use the word kind of questioning it's when we then reframe that as doubt that it becomes seen as an issue. And we've just, just what you said about them being part of the same whole. We've got this, this weird obsession with kind of childlike faith and this blind acceptance that, you know, it's true. It's absolutely true. I'm certain my faith is secure and strong and celebrate. You can celebrate it and it's, it's all wonderful. I'd argue that childlike faith if you even spend an hour with a child, how many questions do they ask you? Like, that is part of it. It's, if it's true, it's huge. Why would you not want to know more and be, your, your faith evolve more and just deepen in that way? I think we're just so scared. 
we're so scared of not belonging, I think, not necessarily to God, but in our communities. I think for me, that was such a massive thing that if I had walked out of church, I, I literally would have lost my entire friendship group overnight. Mm. I'm not saying that they would have rejected me or abandoned me, but I wouldn't have been moving in the same circles as them anymore. And it's, Doubt can, can be a really healthy thing, a really, really useful tool to deepen your faith, but there is that darker side of it as well that, that you can't pretend isn't there. It's It can be really painful, even if it ends up with your faith strengthening. You might not necessarily feel like that at the time. Um, I remember um, maybe a year and a half ago now, uh, in fact, it was two summers ago. It was when we had a summer where we weren't locked up. Um, <laughs> numbers of my church were really struggling with hell. They were really struggling with hell. And they were started to read a book by Rob Bell on hell, Love Wins, yeah, yeah. Um, of which I concluded, hey, if they're going to read this, I'd rather they read it with me and I can help them rather than read it on their own and uh, they don't get somebody to walk with them in that. So we did it as a book club and we read it and we sat in my garden uh, one evening and we had this book club discussing the book. And um, I remember a, a pastor friend of mine said, oh, I, I don't think it's appropriate to have members of your church reading that book. I was like, well, that's interesting, isn't it? Because my my feeling is I'd rather walk with people than dictate what they can and can't read because all they'll do is read things in secret. Uh, and then in public, they'll nod at you and yeah. behind closed doors, they think it's something completely different. Like, well, what's the point in that? Like, we're not being genuine uh, community or we're not genuinely pastoring people in, yeah. in that environment. Uh, actually be able to wrestle through, you know, those big doubts of heaven, hell, what does judgment mean? What what does the Bible actually say? Actually doing that in community yeah. is the safe place, but often it gets put to the fringes. And that's the point, isn't it? Unless these things are visible, unless there's obvious places for people to, to go with these questions and know that they're welcomed and honoured and accepted, it's done in secret mm. and shame Shame will come in any crack in the door that it can um, and just take such a hold. If if it's visible and out in the open and a conversation where you know that you can go to church just as you are, you don't need to put on any kind of mask. Mm. <laughs> mask. Um, that, breaks, that breaks the cycle of fear, I think. So that's, I mean, that's arguably the whole point. That's why I've agreed to talk to you. That's why. Yeah. Look, can I, can, I'd love to just ask, um, you know, you can't ask somebody what's your tips on dot, 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 <laughs> because you're like, what, what does that mean? There isn't. But what what for you would be your wisdom for someone who finds themselves in a place where they're not surrounded by people they feel that they could wrestle stuff through with, they're feeling isolated, um, and let's be honest, it may not be because the people around them are a safe place. It's just that they themselves don't feel yeah. like they can articulate it. They can get it out. Yeah, completely. And I think that was a big part for me as well. It wasn't necessarily that there weren't people I could have spoken to, but it was my own personality that kept me back. Mm. Um, 
it's a hard one. I really don't like trying to give people tips on this kind of, kind of area because I think it's so personal and it depends what your doubts are. Doubts is such an umbrella term, isn't it? I think for me, a big part of ending up where I am now was acknowledging that quite a big part of my doubting was actually disappointment. Um, that the God and the Jesus of my childhood kind of picture books hadn't played out in the way that in the way that I felt like I'd been promised. So prayer didn't feel like talking to my best friend on the telephone, um, like like the images portrayed. Um, faith didn't feel like this overwhelming feeling of love every day. Um, I didn't feel particularly protected or immune from suffering in the way that I'd probably misinterpreted. So I think for me, the biggest thing for getting to the place I am now was really re-looking at what I thought faith meant. Because I really did think it meant that you had to be certain. Um, total assurance, confidence, um, all of that, all of that kind of really strong terminology. Um, and the game changer for me was looking at the story of the woman from Luke 8, so the, the woman that had been chronically bleeding for mm. I think it was 12 years. She'd kind of exhausted absolutely every option. She'd, she'd run out of money, she'd gone to countless doctors, but also within that, the Jewish law and culture of the time, kind of bleeding and blood and disease was really, really, um, I don't quite know what the right theological term for it is, kind of, was it unclean? Was it just mm, people would have avoided her? And when she heard about Jesus, she she risked it all. She was out in public, she was in a crowd. Like I'm pretty sure that touching other people would have been really not a, not a good thing. Like there were consequences to what she did, but she did it anyway. It wasn't, it wasn't certainty that made her go, it was desperation. It wasn't kind of total assurance, it was just the willingness to try, the willingness to put herself forward. Mm. And it really clicked for me when I then kind of focused in on the fact that Jesus then named that as faith. He said, your faith has healed you. Um, now, if that's what faith looks like, I'm in. <laughs> that makes sense to me. That level of desperation and just, just the willingness to try. Um, and I think finding that of reconsidering that fundamental thing just gave me a bit more freedom i think freedom to not be ashamed of myself really um to to not let that hold me back i think i'd seen doubt as this brick wall in front of me that was completely impassable unless i could you know hit it with a big strong hammer of complete faith um, and I think now I try to I try to see doubt as more like a, a heavy backpack. Sometimes mm. on my journey, it holds things which are really useful for taking me further. Like it might have a torch, it might might have a safety blanket, that kind of thing. It can it can provide me with tools to to enhance and deepen my journey. Other times, it's a pain. A physical and emotional pain and sometimes if 
on the very worst days, you just have to sit down and stop for a while. I think there's no point me talking to you pretending that I've got it all sorted. Mm. I still have a very messy, difficult, doubtful faith, but I'm willing to try. This is, this is, I've got just in front of me here, um, uh, this beautiful passage where Jesus is talking to this father who's hoping that Jesus might be able to heal his son. And, and um, it says this immediately, uh, the father of the child cried out to Jesus, cried out to Jesus, I believe, help my unbelief. And it's these two things kind of hand in hand, faith and doubt that, that Jesus is celebrating. And, you know, I believe, but help my unbelief. And I think one of the things I try to do with people is say, look, I, if I'm, when I say, are you a Christian? I'm not asking you if you believe absolutely everything with 100% I'm in. Uh, you know, for me, it's like, what is the, th what is the thing at the heart of all of this? It's Jesus Christ. Do you believe that Jesus loves you, that he came for you? And, and like, can we start with that? And then everything else off that. And, and um, you can start to ask questions about a lot of the things that particularly the evangelical church may say are important. Actually, are they, or are they more, are they, are they salvation issues or are they peripheral discipleship issues? Are they something else? And uh, we often get it all mixed up. Yeah. And uh, I uh, have somebody at my church who said to me, Chris, I'm, I, I, I get it all, but there's just one thing I really don't, I struggle to believe. And he was like, the virgin birth. I just cannot. And uh, I said, well, if you can't believe that, what about this? Oh, I struggle with that a little bit as well. But for me, the virgin birth. And I was like, mate, if you, if you believe that Jesus died, he rose again, you believe that he came for you, that he was God in flesh, uh, some way God did that. And uh, you've said yes to him and you, you, you want to encounter it. I said, mate, you sound like a Christian to me. Uh, but for him, this one thing was becoming such a stumbling block. It was going to cause him to walk away from the whole thing because he felt like he'd, I don't believe the whole package. Yeah. Um, and, and I do wonder how much of this is an evangelical issue. And some of my more traditional friends are much better at saying, I get this, I get this, I get this. I, I don't get this and I don't get this. Uh, but they don't walk away from faith. Mm. Whereas within the evangelical church, because we're much more word-based, uh, the, the, there's certain things that we would say, uh, you you must believe heaven and hell, uh, that actually people then start saying, well, if I can't believe that, I'm out. And, yeah. and it's, it's a bit more black and white. The kind of the trauma of the statement of belief. Yeah. <laughs> been yeah. there <laughs> yeah absolutely and i think that's what that's what i mean by kind of having jesus in focus that's enough for now for me and mm. um, there's still loads of questions that i'm not sure about um but they're not they're not the central they're not mm. the central problem for me, I think they have been at times. I think for a while I hid behind the kind of the matters of doctrine and the matters of theology. I hid behind those doubts because I was afraid to admit that actually it really was the very fundamental does God exist type mm. questions that plagued me. Um, but now that that's a bit more resolved, I think 
I'm trying to not let those other questions overwhelm me. I think mm. I've I've learned to be a bit more okay with the uncertainty, mm. really. Which good. I think, and that's why I can't give people step by step guides to how to overcome this kind of thing because it's impossible. I think I can't tell people how I'm now okay with it. Um, and sometimes, sometimes I'm not. Some days it's harder than others. Um, but I think you have. I think in the in the sense of allowing people to to hold those two things together, faith and doubt, and allowing those, uh, allowing yourself to focus on Jesus and, and not necessarily the things that people are questioning. That that is that is the most wonderful gift that you can give somebody who really feels like they uh, have been told they have to. I believe all of it hook line and sinker and therefore if they don't shame on you yeah. and i think what, what you're giving there is hope i think the one the, just the last thing i would, would want to chuck in is um there's two the, for me there's two different kinds of doubt there's doubt that comes in waves where for a period of time you experience doubt and then it subsides and then a little while later it may come and then subside that's one kind of doubt the other is just when there's this low level uh, or this level of white noise just of doubt. There's just this long-term ongoing. The reality is that second one is exhausting oh, yeah. uh, because you, it's it's living with something that's chronic rather than something that you can recover from. Yeah, and I, I wasn't not quite sure how much to to say really, but yes, in order to for people that are listening who really are struggling with this, doubt really has impacted my mental health. I mm. think. You can't, as much as you can argue doubt is a is a positive thing, it can be a healthy thing for your faith, I think that is true. But also, losing your faith or having serious doubts is a real, a real crisis. I questioned my identity, I felt terrified in the world, I felt like kind of my safety blanket or my whole rock bottom had just fallen out. And that was terrifying. Um, so in order to kind of not betray people that are listening who might be experiencing that, that has been true for me. Um, I'm a lot better than I have been. Um, but yeah, it's, it's hard. It can be really hard, mm. which is why we need to talk about it more. Yeah, yeah. Kat, thank you so much. I just want to encourage people that uh, if they're not, you know, just, watching your Instagram about underscore doubt is definitely worth it. And uh, I, I love, so there's little one-liners that you've uh, been putting on there. Uh, recently you put, uh, doubt is not failure. Doubt is not failure. Doubt is not failure. And for, uh, for me, I've, I've just really been encouraged by seeing your, uh, not only what you say, they're beautifully, your Instagram is very beautifully done. I don't know if you're doing this or something else, but I, <laughs> you must take hours creating these little uh, slides because they are beautiful. And I think for me, finding the beauty in the doubt and finding beauty when you're in that place uh, is just so i mean i'm a creative i love making creative painting so when something's made beautifully as well it, that really that really inspires me uh, so thank you so much for for taking the time to make each of those little slides because it does take time <laughs>
uh, and there's care being put into that. It does take time, but I think I know people can get really burnt out with social media and things very easily. I think I know older generations would would think we were being very overdramatic about it, but it does take time. And the way I've tried to mm -hmm. reconcile it with myself, I have a busy life. I don't quite have time for doing it, but it's an overflow. I I don't just create these things for the sake of it. It will be what I'm thinking about that day. Um, which probably isn't the best way to do it. I know you're supposed mm. to batch create this kind of stuff. Um, so as I'm doing it, I'm thinking it through. I'm thinking about what yeah. it means to me, what I'm going to write, how I can try to make it the most helpful for other people rather than just a kind of personal journal for myself type thing. Mm. So that's great. It does take time, but I suppose that's that's the point yeah thank you and thank you for your your openness to talk about it i think if uh, anyone is listening and you are thinking yes this is where i'm at do like i'm not saying reach out or dm cat because you might suddenly oh, no, be overloaded um you know don't don't crush her with messages but um a couple of things in my mind would be this you know don't give up so many people who are doubting give up and they disconnect from uh, those who could be really helpful. Yeah. Uh, and I think certainly the people that I know that are struggling with doubt after the pandemic, that I think where they're not failing, not right helpful term, but where they're really letting themselves down is they're disconnecting from people rather than community and connecting. And we've got to, you know, as a pastor, I would say, whoever you are listening, trust me, uh, even the pastor's doubt, um, they, they may not tell you, and that's their issue. And, uh, you know, I'm happy to talk with anybody about doubt because it's a part of my faith. I wrestle this stuff through. And for me, life's a journey. And will I die being content with everything? No. And if I, if I do get to the point where I'm content, I've actually failed to ask the questions I should be asking. Uh, so, you know, please don't feel like others are fine and they're not. Um, and the other thing is, I just finally say to you is this, get yourself a good friend and sit shiver with them with it. Sitting shiver is just sitting in silence, holding the uh, weight of something without trying to come up with a solution. Um, one of the great things that we can do with each other when we're struggling with grief is just to sit with each other in it and, and experience experience the weight of it and doing the same with our doubt uh, is important because sometimes when we are doubting what we're doing is we're actually grieving the loss of faith uh, yeah. and therefore sitting with somebody in that is really helpful so please don't leave yourself uh, if you're listening to this um, at the end going what do I now do lean in contact a friend reach out and if nothing else hey Kat's got an Instagram uh, she'll she'll yeah. respond to you and I would I would just finally like to add I guess from the other side I think for people that as a result of this or through other means, if they have that friend text them and say, look, I'm really struggling, don't feel the need to try and fix it. They're not coming to you to resolve all of their problems. They mm. just need a friend. I think I've had some conversations go very astray over the years because people just feel that instant, oh goodness, like mm. she's telling me this so that I can fix it for her. No, I, I probably just wanted a cup of tea like I just wanted somebody to know. So it's, I suppose the, visi the, the lack of visibility of doubt doesn't just affect the person having the doubts, it affects our, 
our kind of knowledge as a group of how to help each other. So don't feel that pressure, just pop the kettle on. Kat, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate you and what you're doing. Thank you. Until next time, grace and peace. <laughs>